You're listening to Intellectual Erection, a place where we talk about the naughty. Oh, to stimulate your thinking. You're listening. You're listening to Intellectual Erection. Intellectual, intellectual, intellectual Erection. Welcome back to Intellectual Erection. I'm your host, Patrick, and today I'm speaking with Bailey Archer. There are a lot of intersex people who had surgeries that they didn't want to have. And there's a lot of transgender people who can't get the surgeries that they want to have. Bailey is an intersex sex worker. We talk about what that means and how that's different from being transgender, especially as it intersects with sex work. Please follow along on Instagram at intellectual.erection to see the links to Bailey's work and also on aesthetic.erection on Instagram to see some of my sex-positive art, which will feature Bailey Archer. And as always, listen, subscribe, review, and most of all, enjoy. I'm sitting here today with... Bailey Archer. Hi, Bailey. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for asking. How are you? I'm doing okay. Still here during lockdown. We are talking over Zoom. And we're going to be talking about what today? Uh, a bunch of different things. Sexuality. We're talking about fetishism. Wait, did I pronounce that right? I don't yeah, think you I did. did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Got it all right. Got it on the first try. Well, but okay. yeah, talking about a bunch of different stuff. So then I guess we should tell the audience what it is that you do. So uh, I am a full-time cam girl on Chatterbait. I work on other platforms such as OnlyFans as well. Um, and yeah, basically I masturbate to pay my rent. Awesome. Awesome. Well, this is part of what we're here to talk about. However, the first thing that always happens on this show is we do the origin question, which you know what it is by now. So the first part of the origin question is, if you remember when you were a very young kid, the first time that you realized sex and sexuality exists in the world, what was that moment? Take me there. So I guess uh, to answer your question, I always kind of knew in some sense that there were differences out there. Uh, I took it as a real life example, just being born the way I am and um, growing up in the area that I grew up in, it was very much so identified to me that I was different. Um, and that's kind of where my exploration of sexuality began. Um, so it just kind of uh, snowballed after I kind of turned 13. And um, I started, of course, exploring my sexuality and I discovered uh, <laughs> I discovered a porn website that doesn't exist anymore. It was called lovethecock.com. <laughs> now, these were the times that I would sneak down to the family computer when nobody was home after school, uh, 
you know, family would be doing other things and I would just have the whole house to myself. So I would always explore this website. And the first time I ever seen a porno was from this website. And it was a solo video of this guy. He looked like a very like old vintage styled porn cowboy, just jerking off his big dick. And I was like, sign me up for this. <laughs> and it kind of snowballed into uh, me printing off pictures of like naked guys on the internet and hiding them under my mattress to masturbate to, to using my imagination to like play out sexual scenarios. And like, apart from the sex side of things, I definitely think like my sexuality started to uh, come out more during this time in terms of, okay, I was being told that I'm a boy, but I feel like a girl and I like boys and just exploring both sides of it was quite an interesting thing, especially at such a young age. But yeah, that was my first kind of exposure was, uh, I'm going to say at 13. Okay. So you have a story that is not unlike many people that I've interviewed in their late twenties and thirties that dial-up days sitting at the family computer and discovering porn for the first time. I think you're part of a large community of us who have gone through the same sort of process. And what a magical time it was. It was, yeah, loading, waiting for things to load. Um, Oh God, the buffer was kind of like an edging session, if you would. Like you're anticipating everything, you're just sitting there like, and like literally the dial-up was like the edging of it. It was just, you were on the edge of your seat. Yeah, you had to commit to one video because, I mean, getting to the second video, having that download buffer. Uh, oh, God, that was just a whole challenge on its own. And the best videos I found for situations like this were like compilations because then you were getting more yeah. bang for your buck. Exactly. So tip for anybody in 2021 still on dial-up, go to compilations. You're welcome. Exactly. There you go. So I think what's important to dive into here is something you said that you were treated as a boy, but you Mm -hmm. did not feel like a boy. And you, in fact, felt like a girl who very much was into boys. Mm -hmm. Now, people who navigate to your work, to your OnlyFans, people who navigate to your chatterbait, they find you under a specific category, which is trans women. But we're here to correct that title a little bit because you yes. in fact do not identify necessarily as a trans woman. Correct. Mundo, uh, I identify uh, as what is known as intersex, but the specific one would be Klinefelter syndrome. So uh, to start off, I guess you have to kind of talk about what intersex means. So intersex is a uh, umbrella term used to subcategorize a series of conditions and syndromes that an individual can be born with that don't meet the stereotypical definitions of male or female. Now, when I say intersex is an umbrella term, um, I'm using that because there are so many different categories of intersexuality. Um, There's a lot that I'm personally not educated on, so I won't try to talk about those, but for the ones that I do know of, Um, There's partial, minor, and major androgen insensitivity syndrome. There's um, 
I'm, I'm not sure if the terminology has changed, but when you're born with both parts, um, it used to be known as hermaphrodite, um, but that is another form of intersexuality. And then what I have is known as Klinefelter syndrome. So the best way I can explain this without like, I guess getting technical <laughs> um, is at the age of puberty, or I'll start with when I was born, uh, when I was born, I was born biologically male, like full male reproductive or male organs. Um, and yeah, everything was normal until I hit puberty. And my body basically said, hey, we're just going to throw some estrogen in here. And bada bing, bada boom, here we are. <laughs> so at the age of puberty, you began to develop, I guess, secondary sex characteristics that were more female presenting. Correct. Did you think of yourself as, as a girl prior to puberty, or is that something that came together at the same time? So the interesting thing, and it's, it's something I'm still exploring and still educating myself on is the fact that I've always, I've always felt like a girl. Um, I used to have poly pockets. I used to have makeup. I used to like carry purses around and play dress up in my friend's clothes, which were all females. And um, it was just an experience growing up in that kind of like way. And then being told that you may be different is like one thing, but then like being told that, oh, you're transgender and just kind of having a category kind of created like not creative for you, but like having people tell you that you're something before you even know what's going on with yourself. And uh, that's what I found a lot had happened with me in terms of like trying to like navigate this. Because uh, one thing I know for sure is I am intersex 100%. However, I am exploring the option of me possibly being trans intersex. Now, the reason I say that is because I've always felt like I was a girl, like I mentioned. So um, the definition of trans is when you feel like you were born the wrong gender. So that's where I kind of get like, I kind of get conflicted because of the fact like there's other kind of uh, times where people who are trans can feel like they're trapped in their own body or they want to make changes to their bodies and stuff. And that's kind of like, that's the complicated part for me is I don't necessarily feel like I'm trapped in my own body. I don't necessarily feel like I've had to make major alterations to my body. It's just, it's always felt more confusing than anything, but I can always say like, there's never been a time where I felt like I was trapped in my body. I may have felt like trapped because of my dick per se, but I've never felt trapped because of like my torso or like the way my face looks or the way that my, my body has developed. Okay. So what I'm hearing in all this is that you were born, uh, assigned at birth as male. Mm -hmm. And as you developed, uh, your puberty during puberty, your body experienced estrogen at mm -hmm. which point you started developing secondary sex characteristics that were feminine. And mm -hmm. along with that, your personal gender identity always has felt like you were a woman. Exactly. And that's kind of the confusing part about things. It's like, it kind of feels like all the stars aligned, if you mm -hmm. will. And in some weird twisted sense, I got lucky because like I'm, 
I'm very much so like at this stage in my life, happy with like my body and the way I look and the way I feel. It's just, it's, it's weird to think about. And I'm still wrapping my head around it. Like the possibility that there is more than just me being intersex there, but that is my primary like identifier is I am a proud intersex woman. If you look. Going back to your experiences, what was it like experiencing estrogen going through your body during puberty? The best way I can describe, like, I, I can't much so describe what it was like having estrogen go through my body at that time. And the reason I can say that is because I didn't know that I was intersex until I was about mm, early 20s mm-hmm. and uh, like 19 going into 20. And um, the best way I can describe like what I experienced going through puberty um, was I was very much so confused. I was emotional. Um, like we all are with, you know, hormones raging through our bodies and whatnot at that age. Um, but I think the biggest thing that threw me off was there was one point where I was like growing very, like very subtly, like very small breasts. And I was like, okay, what's, what's going on here? This is kind of, this is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. And the other big thing that kind of, you know, made me know, like something was different was, um, I'm actually a fraternal twin and my brother, uh, looks nothing mm-hmm. like me. He is very much. So your macho man, very like, you could see it as he was progressing through puberty, like how his, like, you know, his voice got deeper and his body changed. And like all these things happened where he was developing secondary sex characteristics of a cis male, where with me, it wasn't the same thing at all. It was very much so like I was developing more feminine features. And for the longest time, I guess I can say I was just confused and didn't understand what was going on. And at what point did you, did you realize that, um, you were intersex and began to live your life as a woman? So I've always lived my life as a woman. Um, I just never knew as whether like it was, I was always told that I was trans. I was always told I was trans. Mm-hmm. So I guess you could say that I've always uh, lived my life as a woman. I was just confused at the point of what kind of woman I was, I guess you could say like, whether I was, I was being told I was a trans woman. And the thing is that never sat right with me because I was confused about why my body was doing all these things that, you know, when I would read about other trans stories, they weren't going through the same things. And that was very confusing for me. Mm -hmm. Um, so then at the age of like 17, 18, I started doing some research and I started looking into like, you know, just starting to go into Google and like, develop breasts during puberty and like look more female, but told I'm trans. And like, just, I did a bunch of different things in terms of like Googling and looking at my own stuff. And then I stumbled across, stumbled across intersex. So when I did that, I did some research and I made the choice to reach out to my um, local sexual health center here in my city. And uh, when I did, at the age of 19, 1920, um, I got a blood test done 
and they notice some abnormalities in my, like, they can do it either urine or blood, I believe. That's how the test goes. It was so long ago, hmm. but they did a test. And basically, uh, I believe the correct term is a karyotype test. Yes, yes. And um, after it was done, they found some abnormalities and it was diagnosed as Klinefelter syndrome. So for most of your life, people have been categorizing you based on your appearance and based on assumptions of who they think and what they think you are, a boy, Mm -hmm. a trans woman. And at some point you discovered that you are intersex. Was there a moment of... I guess. Clarity, if you will. Yeah. Uh, yes and no. Um, recently, um, since I started educating myself more on intersex and trans and kind of how they come together, um, I've kind of, I guess, after I found out there was a little bit of clarity, there was clarity in the sense of, okay, this explains why I was growing boobs. And this is why I did not develop like a normal male, if you will. And that was kind of the part of my head that was being like logical about the situation. But the other side of me felt very much relief because of the fact that I had to go down this road. And I don't think I would have it any other way. Like the way my body developed, the way I think, the way I act, the way I feel. Like I said earlier, at one point, it kind of feels like looking at all of this, the stars kind of aligned. And I got very, very lucky in the sense of like Mm. my appearance and like what I wanted in terms of like, I wanted to be a girl ever since I was younger. And I even remember when I was a kid, like wishing on the stars and being like, oh, I wish I could be a beautiful, beautiful girl. And I wish I could be so pretty and all this stuff. And like, I I don't want to sit here and toot my own horn or anything like that. I'm just, I I just want to say I'm very happy with the outcome and the fact that it didn't go in a different direction, we'll say. Yeah, absolutely. Well, then um, at what point did you begin to get into sex work? So I guess I should start back at when I left high school, I graduated, I moved out of my family home, I moved into the city and everything was, you know, kind of just autopilot. I went through school. I did my first, second, third and fourth year. It wasn't good on me mentally. And just what I wanted to do school wise, I just, I didn't have that ambition or the drive at the time, just because I was kind of dealing with some identity issues and just my depression was, it wasn't good. And at this point in order to support myself after just going through that amount of time at school and just not having a solid career, I would do a lot of customer service jobs. I was doing a lot of like odd jobs and I just, it kind of got old after a little bit because I felt like the jobs that I was doing were not fulfilling enough or my bosses were just assholes and I just got treated like shit for like $13 an hour. And I mean, nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to go and be treated like garbage at their job for $15 an hour or sorry, $13 an hour. That was like the last one that I did where it was just like, screw this, I'm done. Mm -hmm. And basically what had happened was I 
wasn't making rent. I was calling my parents to help me out. My relationship was becoming stressed with them. And then the nail in the coffin was I went into this very shitty job and I was told they were letting me go due to cutbacks. And basically they were making it smaller or something like that. So at that point, when I lost my job, I just remember sitting in my car and bawling my eyes out because at this point I was scared for how my relationship was going to turn out with my mom, because my mom is like one of the closest people I have in my life. And our relationship at this point was just very strained because of how much I was calling her and asking her to help me with the bills and stuff. So at this point I took about, God, I took some time and I really reflected on what I should do. And then I have a lot of friends in the LGBTQ community who have been in camming and have done work like that. And I heard about it before I even like considered it. I knew about it before I even considered it because I, of course, who hasn't gone on Chatterbait or like cam sites and whatnot? Like, of course. So I knew about it well before. And at one point I was like, why not give it a shot and see what happens? So in my little crappy apartment with my little webcam and bad lighting, I bop, bop, bopped myself to the top in some way. And I remember getting my first uh, $300 paycheck and then got my second paycheck that came in at $850. And it just kind of snowballed from there. And I started to... Uh, pay off my bills. I was starting to pay my rent on my own. I was starting to take over a lot of stuff in my life that I never thought I was going to be able to like handle. And over time, within the first three months of doing it, I was able to put away money for myself. I was able to uh, stop calling my parents as frequently. And it just started to feel really good to have that sense of control and financial stability that I was able to provide myself. So yeah, it kind of just continued to snowball. And since then, I mean, things have been, have been very good. And I can say, I think that if I didn't take the choice to go and try sex work and camming, I wouldn't have had as good of an outcome as I've had today, like in terms of, like I said, with the relationships being strained with my mom and just not being able to support myself financially at that time. So it -hmm. gave me some independence, which was nice. Absolutely. What do you attribute to your success on CAM? It seems like you're doing pretty well. What do you think it is that uh, draws people to your content? (laughs) That is a very good question because even I'm still trying to figure that one out. (laughs) Um, On a serious note, um, I like to think because I can never say for sure what it is due to the fact that I'm not the buying demographic. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll have to do a little survey at some point and see what it is. But um, in my own humble opinion, what I think it is, is um, I always try to be the nicest. Uh, I always, when I say that, I mean, I acknowledge everybody during a show. I like to make everybody feel special. Um, and especially with things uh, that are happening with COVID, um, 
I really wanted to focus my shows on being a way for people to escape for a little bit and just clear their heads, have some fun, have some good conversation, interact. And I've heard a couple of times as well during my shows that uh, people really like my personality. They say I'm, I'm good looking with a big dick. So I guess the, those <laughs> things play some factors as well. But um, I like to think that the biggest thing is my personality and what I contribute in terms of authenticity. Because one thing I like to think about is anybody can literally go on cam and jerk off and masturbate. It takes somebody to sell that and also give more to be like, you know, a really good camera. It takes, you know, personality. It takes, it takes a lot because, you know, like I said, anybody can get on cam and masturbate and jerk off. It just, yeah. you know. I think this is yeah. one uh, one thing that many people fail to appreciate about sex work. And this is something that a lot of sex workers that I've interviewed have said as well. It's the emotional labor that actually brings you success in, in sex work, right? It's everything that you do to present your content, the way that you approach it, the way that you interact with your with your audience. And at the end of the day, it, it is that that personality that sells, which if you're engaged in having these conversations with people in, in the chat room and speaking to them and addressing them and talking about your day, that is a lot of emotional labor. And that is the key to success that I've heard also from other sex workers. It's just like putting your best foot forward and letting those people know that you are grateful for what they are doing for you. Yes, they are, you know, paying you to masturbate for them and whatnot, but like, at the end of the day, those people, they are some of the nicest and funnest people that I think like, I can say that I'm very lucky for the fans that I have because they make it fun. They make it enjoyable. And the point I was making before was just always acknowledging them and saying thank you for what they've done in terms of helping you get to this point in your career to just kind messages and just not being there like in terms of you know tipping and you know financial aspects like just being decent humans and you know coming yeah. in for more than just I guess the masturbation side of it coming yeah. in for the conversation coming for you know just more than just that I think what you offer there is is something that people look for specifically when they go to campsites is a sense of intimacy. It's here's a real person that's connecting with me and that brings people that much closer. Like you said, especially now during COVID, right? You want maybe to see somebody who's like you, another human being who's pleasuring themselves and you're having this moment together where you're both doing that and it feels that much closer than watching porn where you're detached from the actors who are there under totally different circumstances. Exactly. Now that being said, let's go back to this category that you fall under, which is obviously on Chatterbait, it's going to be under the trans category. There is no category for intersex. Is this something that you would want to see changed? Is there a need for more visibility for intersex people online or in general? In terms of the intersex, like intersex needing more awareness, 100%. Like some people know what it is, but not everybody. Like you can go and see someone and be like, do you know what transgender is? 
somebody will always have kind of an idea of what it is. But if you go to somebody and say, do you know what intersex is? There are a lot of people out there who like say, what? Or like, they don't know. And it needs more light on it. It needs more education because there are people who are intersex that don't even know they're intersex and they go their whole lives without knowing. In terms of giving intersex people a category in the industry, I agree with that 100%. I think that intersex and transgender are very similar. However, they are different as well. And I feel like if uh, the industry was to give intersex people their own category, the way that they've given trans, the way that they've given gay, the way that they've given everything in between a category, it would be good because even though in the industry it may be fetishized, just like trans is, it would still get people talking about it. And then to educate people outside of the industry in terms of having more like support things, like for instance, the way that they have um, LGBTQ support lines and uh, places that like clubs and organizations for the LGBTQ communities, if they were to have more of that for intersex, it would not only become more of a common and educated thing, it would be more of an accepted thing, which would be really, really cool. I just thought for a moment, there are probably so many people who are intersex existing out there that might not even know it. And there's a lot out there that know, but they don't have the support or they don't have what tools they need in order to feel and find their most authentic selves. And uh, one big thing that I learned about a little while ago, I was watching this YouTube uh, video and it was basically talking to a group of intersex people. And one thing that really stood out to me that was highlighted in this video was there are a lot of intersex people who had surgeries that they didn't want to have. And there's a lot of transgender people who can't get the surgeries that they want to have. It's just, it's frustrating and like overly, like there's many, 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 I want to say documented instances back. Like I want to say, I'm just going to say back in the day. (laughs) Um, because I don't know how far along it goes. It's probably been going on for years and years and years, but there are times where a child will be born with, let's say both parts and the parents are then given the choice of, do you want to cut or do you want to sew? And let's say all of a sudden, you know, they choose that they want to have a boy and later on in life, that boy wants to be a girl. Like there's just so many instances where intersex people can be stripped of their rights due to the fact that they are given a surgery that they don't want and then trans people in the same way having their rights stripped from them for not being able to have the surgeries that they do want. I anticipate we're going to have some moment in the future when we're going to look back at these surgeries and doctors and parents forcing babies into a binary category of biological sex with surgery as absolutely brutal and and absurd and barbaric to say the least it's just trying 
in my own humble, humble, once again, humble opinion, because I never ever want to act like what I say is right. Everybody has their own opinions and I'm just giving mine. And especially with the fact that I guess, as they say, times have changed and people are thinking differently or whatever it may be. What happened to those people, it was, it was just, it was horrible because at the end of the day, they don't get a right in what they want. And it's not like keeping that or keeping both parts will change the child in any way, in my opinion. It's just, it wasn't fair and it wasn't right. And I'm hoping that, you know, we're in 2021 now, we still have a long way to go, but I really hope that, because there has been a lot of good change, I'm just hoping more will come. Yeah, and I think you're you're right with with activism and visibility being an important guiding light to that because I presume the intentions behind doctors and parents making those decisions is that they want the best for the child to live a quote-unquote normal life, to be prevented from suffering. But in the process of doing that, they're making a very finalizing decision on that little human's body that may not be in accordance with who they are going to become. So once we have a society, I think that's more accepting of diversity and more understanding of it and more understanding of the fact that biological sex is not just binary categories. People don't neatly fit into XY and XX chromosomes. Some people have extra chromosomes. Some people have different kinds of genitalia. And all of this is something that we need to learn more about and understand. Now, exactly. you mentioned something a little earlier in terms of fetishism, which is something I also wanted to ask you about. What are your feelings around trans fetishism, given that a lot of the porn industry and cam industry that is responsible for offering work, sex work, to trans folks, and also in your case, intersex humans, is banking on basically trans fetishism. And it's it's difficult to make a clear distinction between a consumer who's there that appreciates you as a human and somebody who's fetishizing and objectifying your body. And the clear demarcation in that was even seen when Pornhub, for example, for example, finally changed their category from shemale to transgender. That was nice of them, wasn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Catching up with the times. So one big thing that I'm going to highlight on with the fetishism within the transgender industry is there's a line because regardless, it's going to happen. There's a line that should never be crossed, a respect line, a boundary, kind of a silent and sacred one, if you will. And that is just if you're going to do the whole fetishization thing, I think I pronounced that right. The best thing I can say about it is you just have to respect. Like that's the biggest thing is respect because regardless, a fetish, it it can be done in a respectful way, especially with the industry. It is business and everything like that. It's going to happen. But like you have a lot of these people who are taking it and they're just completely making it a degrading situation. Like there are so many times, for instance, in my OnlyFans messages or one of my cam shows that I get called a tranny or a dude with tits or, you know, a tranny is a word that should never be said 
identify anybody unless you are a trans woman and you're kikiing with your other trans girlfriends or guy friends or whatever the situation may be. Yeah. It's just that is one word that like I hate with a passion that is like said constantly in the industry. Oh, you're such a hot tranny. Oh, you're such a cool tranny. And it's just, it's such a degrading word, especially coming from people who have never experienced the struggles or challenges of growing up different and just, yeah, that's like one of the biggest things, like a fetish needs to be respected. Like there's a way about going about it that's appropriate. And there's a way that's going about it that just makes you look like a total douche canoe. Um, <laughs> and how Canadian. <laughs> I know, right. But that's like, that's the biggest thing is just having that respect there because yes, this is the industry and yes, it's bound to happen. But like I said, there's always a, like a way to go about it that makes it fun for everyone on a personal level, especially in the industry, it can be very hard to depict who's there to treat you with respect and kindness and who's just there to get their rocks off. Like, um, however, uh, like I said, there can be times where someone will come in and treat you great and you do one thing that they don't like and they treat you like absolute shit. They like can tell you to go fuck yourself. You're gross tranny. You're this, you're that, you're everything else. And on a personal note, when I started this career, I, I remember there have been times where I've gotten off cam and I've cried my eyes out because of the fact that I've just, you know, I've had experiences like that in my life, but to like have six or seven people say it to you at one time, it's the fucking internet. So people can say whatever they want to say and get away with it. And it's just, it helped me create a thicker layer of skin especially in this industry, you have to have it. But yeah, it's hard to sometimes see the good ones from the bad ones because they're the ones that are there like, oh, look, she's actually a very nice human. She's beautiful. I can appreciate this extra thing about her. And she has like, you know, shit that she wants to get done. So I'm going to support, which is awesome. But then you have those people who are just sitting there and they're like, oh, like, I'm just going to do all the wrong things and like this for all the wrong reasons. If that makes if that yeah. makes any sense. Yeah. What I'm hearing is that within the industry, trans fetishism is probably a given and it's hard to filter out the people with genuine intentions from the people with nefarious intentions, people who have some sort of transphobia and probably have some internalized problems with their sexuality and then they project it onto you. Exactly. But at least if they show a modicum of respect and don't cross the boundary of, of using slurs or trying to degrade you, then you can withstand knowing that some of the people that are there don't always have the best intentions. Exactly. And one point that I want to highlight on is like, I don't want to sit here and say that all people who come into my shows or all people who are into trans girls or like anybody who's into any dynamic of this like spectrum, if you will, I don't want to sit here and say all of them are terrible fetishizers who are evil and deserve to be like, you know, screwed up the ass with like a non-lubed dildo. Like I would never say such things. <laughs> I have many, many wonderful people who I've been experienced in this career. I have had many wonderful fans who have supported me and been there for me and have genuine intentions. But of course there are those times in every show that you find that 
person or you find those people who you cannot tell what the fuck is going on. You cannot tell what they're there for. Oh, well, you know what they're there for, but you can't tell if their intentions are good or bad. So, So then moving out of the online world, when it comes to your offline self, there's a certain level of, let's say, performativity when you're on cam. You have to do a show for people in a specific way that's going to stimulate them. But then Mm -hmm. in your offline world, when it comes to your intimacy, your pleasure, your body, what does pleasure look like for you? Uh, Pleasure for me would have to be communication, compatibility. Like I love to be able to get along with someone, have great conversation. One thing about me is I love at the end of the day to smoke a big fat joint and just relax. And it's very hard in my opinion to like find people that I can be fully comfortable around high. Like it's a nice relaxer. It's a de-stressor for the day. But if I can find someone that I enjoy, and I know this is going a little bit off topic, but I promise I'll circle right back around with it. (laughs) But like to find someone that you can share that kind of moment with and just be your full authentic self around them and not worry about being goofy or like being dorky or being whatever it, that shit makes me so fucking horny. Like, it's just, it's great to be able to be authentic. Authenticity makes me horny, I guess you can say. And then I guess from there, really, it's like, you're getting into like, the passionate side of things, which is like, I really enjoy it when somebody takes control, because in a lot of my everyday life, I have to be in control. So it's fun to just like hand someone off the reins here. You get in the driver's seat for a bit and you do your thing. And like I said, like the biggest thing for me is being able to connect on an intimate level and being able to have that chemistry. Well, then the last thing that I'm going to ask you is for the sexy story segment. Do you have a sexy, wild, outrageous or fun story that you want to share? Okay, so uh, this particular incident happened way back before COVID. I think it was about 2018 was when this incident took place. So uh, my cousin had recently come home for the holidays and we decided to get together at a local restaurant and well, bar. So anyways, I get to the restaurant, I meet up with her, her boyfriend and their friends. Uh, they were a couple. So anyways, we're all having some drinks and stuff. I can tell that my cousin's friends are like, obviously hitting on me. Like they're feeling up my leg a little bit. They're trying to like, you know, get to know me more. They're asking me for my number and everything. And asking for my number is a big giveaway. So I was just like, oh shit. Okay. Uh, During the events of the evening, We all end up going our separate ways. I ended up going with my cousin and her boyfriend to another bar and the other couple, their friends went home for the night. So while I'm out with my cousin, we're drinking, we're dancing, everything's great. She ends up getting a little bit too tipsy and has to go home with her boyfriend. So our night kind of caps off early. I head home. I all of a sudden get a text message from their friends asking me what I'm up to. I kindly tell them that I think they're very sweet for hitting on me. However, I cannot go home with them or come over because of the fact that I have a cock between my legs. 
And yeah, that <laughs> they proceed to message me and say that they know they think it's so hot and they want to hang out with me. So I say, fuck it. Why not? Let's go. Let's do this. I haven't had a good threesome in a hot minute at this point. So <laughs> I grabbed a cab. I headed over. I get through the door and I packed this tiny little overnight bag with me, just like some, you know, basic essentials for when you're going and getting dicked down. And um, anyways, I have my little bag on my shoulder and I get into their house and the way that the layout was, was they have their little, uh, you go in, there's the front door, there's a downstairs area, and then there's an upstairs to where like the kitchen is and all that. So I get in the door, the girlfriend comes downstairs, gets me, takes me up by the hand. At this point, I just have my shoes off, bag still in arm and everything. And I get to the top of the stairs and she just starts making out with me. And I was just like, what is going on right now? Can I not just put my things down? And, but nope, we're making out. Her boyfriend proceeds to like drop to his knees and start sucking my dick. At some point I managed to like throw my bag down and yeah, it just kind of turned into a big messy event of us fucking on the kitchen island I was eating her pussy he was sucking my dick at one point he was fucking me in the ass while I was eating her out uh at one point she was getting screwed while I was sucking his dick and then this migrated into the bedroom and this went on for a solid like six hours it was good I will give them props they knew what they were doing uh it was it was fun it was exotic to say the least wow that's a very nice story. <laughs> very sexy. Thank indeed. you. Thank you. Well, then the last thing before I let you go is this is your chance to shamelessly plug away all the places you want to be found. <sighs> okay, let me just lay this out really quick. <laughs> My name is Bailey Archer. You can find me on chatterbait.com slash bbarcher. You can find me on OnlyFans at OnlyFans.com, Archer underscore. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram. Twitter is Archer underscore. And Instagram is B.B underscore Archer. Awesome. Well, folks, Bailey Archer here might be a muse for one of my prints and might be is actually more of a for sure will be stop it you're making me blush (laughs) (laughs) well i've uh i would recommend you subscribe to bailey's only fans i have and from there i will select a really nice picture to to do a wonderful print of Along with this episode, check out aesthetic.erection on Instagram and you will see the image. I'll also cross post it probably on intellectual erection in the stories. Fabulous. Bailey, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. You're listening to Intellectual Erection, a place where we talk about the naughty to stimulate your thinking.